0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. A lot of churches talk about unity. They talk about being together. They talk about being one. They talk about being the same and having the same mind. Can I remind you this morning... Whose mind are we supposed to have? Not my mind, not your mind, but the mind of Jesus Christ. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he tells us what kind of mind that is. You can parallel that passage of Scripture with what we just read. Because he gives us the path to unity. In the last few weeks, as we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 4, we looked at first the plea for unity. He calls in verse number 1. He says, I beseech you. You know what that is? That's begging. He says, church, I beseech you that you endeavor to keep... The unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And he says, "Hey, listen, as a church, we don't create unity, we keep it. You know who creates unity? the Holy Spirit of God within us. He makes us one with God and he makes us one with each other. I, mean, I know there's a lot less there, there are lesser things that we can unify around. You can unify around your ideas. Uh, we can unify around my ideas. We can unify around our commonalities. but I tell you, we have great diversity represented here, don't we? Are we all from the same places? As our brother mentioned, the north and the south, we see even more diversity present uh, today. And how many know that we have great diversity, and with that diversity comes differences? We're not here to pretend today that we all think the same. We're not here to pretend today that we all look the same, and talk the same, and dress the same, and act the same. A lot of times the churches will gather, and they will set their foundation on lesser forms of uniformity. In other words, trying to make everybody the same. We're not here to make you the same. You know who made us one? The Lord Jesus Christ made us one by His Spirit. And His Spirit is what has created unity in every believer's life. And so you know what? We, we endeavor to keep that unity. You know, we lay aside our personal preferences. We lay aside what we desire. We lay aside our agendas. And we say, we're here to please Christ. You know, what? church that says, I want to live for the will of God and the glory of God will have unity. Can we all say that together? I want to live for the will of God and for the glory of God. Say it with me. I want to live for the will of God and for the glory of God. It's easy to say. It's hard to do, isn't it? It's easy to say because we'll find ourselves easily distracted from the will of God. We'll find ourselves easily distracted from giving God the glory. How many like me, you struggle because you like to get credit for what you do? You like to have a slap on the back. You like people to pay attention. We have that pride that comes up in us. And so as there's a plea, of, plea for unity, we, we saw a few weeks ago that there's the problems of unity. And what's the problem of unity? Well, it's the problem of the church. People. We're the problem. He's not the problem. How many know that Jesus is not the problem for the unity in the church? The problem for the unity in the church is us. Because we have our pride, and we have our differences, and we have what we want to hold on to. And we all, if we all fight, like second, in, in the book of Corinthians, like the church did, uh, fought, fought for uh, being seen by their spiritual gifts, fought for being paid attention to, fought for what they wanted, we're going to have disunity in the church. But if we humble ourselves, uh, and we obey Christ, and we uh, give ourselves to the will of God and to the glory of God, we'll have unity. Notice, as we talked about last week, there was a path to unity. Notice the path that he gives us. What does he tell us? He doesn't just say, hey church, I plead with you that you have unity. He doesn't say, hey, let me tell you the problem of unity that's implied here is that it's a church. It's why there needs to be a plea for it. It's why it needs to be, uh, there needs to be a reminder of it. And then he tells us how to do it. He says, as we looked at last week, the first attribute to the path of unity was what? With all lowliness. Humility. Humility is easy to talk about, but it's hard again to do. It's hard to exercise in our life. The moment we think ourselves to be humble, we've lost our humility. The moment we pride ourselves in lowering ourselves, we miss the point. And sometimes we understand that while we think that we've got it all together, oh boy, we have more, God has more work to do in all of us, doesn't he? And humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says, that he may exalt you in due time. Humility, notice he he says in verse number 3, the path to unity is not just lowliness or humility, but it's also meekness. They say meekness is not weakness, but it's power under control. The Lord Jesus Christ was meek, wasn't he? He was meek. Uh, He said, blessed are the meek. And, uh, you know, Jesus had complete power, but Jesus was always under control of the Holy Spirit. God, as believers, doesn't want us to be weak people. He wants us to be strong people. He wants us to be courageous people. He wants us to be uh, people that can endure hardness like good soldiers. So he's not talking about weakness. He's talking about that our strength is under control. That we use our strength not for ourselves, but to accomplish the will of God. This is the path to unity. When all of us come together and we use our strengths to accomplish the will of God for the glory of God. You know, every single person in here that's been, been saved, God has given you and gifted you with a spiritual gift. And many of you, your gifts are different than my gifts. You know why it's so important that we recognize that? Because we, being many, are one body in Christ. We, being many, are one body in Christ. Christ. Uh, uh, The word E Pluribus Unum appears on the Great Seal of the United States at Opportunity Monday and Tuesday uh, to go into our congressmen and senators' offices uh, in New Jersey, present them with Bibles and gospel tracts. We saw people saved uh, as a result in those offices and heard many testimonies, sat with our our congressman and his staff and presented them with a a book from our church and Bibles again and gospel tracts and and you know uh, one thing I noticed all around on all the monuments as much as we say uh, uh, that you hear the media say and the people around us we're not a Christian nation, we're a diverse nation, we're not really, we didn't come from those uh, Judeo Christian uh, formations and backgrounds as I walked around and saw the monuments I said not so, look at it it's all present, it's here, you walk into Lincoln Memorial it says the judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Uh, We see in God we trust and we understand that our foundations and our freedoms and the things that we enjoy today as Americans have come from the word of God, have come from our desire to uh, to give ourselves to the will of God and for the glory of God. And there's a path to that. There's meekness, being under control of the Holy Spirit of God. But that that word, E Pluribus Union, was the unofficial motto of the United States. And in 1956, the United States adopted the motto, In God We Trust. But that, that word, E Pluribus Union, means out of many, one, or one from many. It speaks of our diversity, but it speaks of our unity. We're unified around a common cause. And I would say that freedom is a great cause to give yourself to. But what I would submit, you to, uh, submit, you, uh, submit to you this morning, church, is that we are called as believers to a higher calling than even that. That God has called us to live godly in Christ Jesus. That God has called us to give ourselves to God's word. And uh, we need to give ourselves and yield ourselves daily to the spirit of God and meekness and humility and meekness. What's the next one he reminds us of in verse number 2? He says, also long-suffering. You know, charity suffereth long and is kind, the Bible says. Love is long-suffering. Meaning, I'm not so quick when I get offended to fly off the handle. I'm not so quick to not forgive. I'm quick to forgive. I'm quick to endure difficulty. I'm understanding that, hey, listen, as the problem of unity is the people, are we going to sit here and pretend that we're never going to have differences, church? Are we going to acknowledge the fact that we're going to disagree at times? Are we going to acknowledge the fact that you may offend me and I may offend you? Now, we're not looking to offend each other, but by our very nature, it happens. If we're going to live together, come on, how many have a family and you have children? How many are married and you have a spouse? Have you ever been offended by anybody in your family? Do we pretend or do we acknowledge the fact that we offend one another? But, get this, but that we are committed not to allow those offenses to separate us but that we're committed to forgive, that we're committed to be gracious to each other, that we're committed to be kind to each other. Are we not spiritually a family? Has God put us into his family? Were we born again into the family of God? Look around you. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. You say, boy, it's an ugly family. One day we're all going to look like Jesus. Right now we don't. But I tell you, as diverse as we are, God has put us together into one family. You see how God has one great big family. Out of every nation, tribe, and language, and people, and tongue. We're one great big family. You know what we have to be committed to? Keeping the unity He put put in us through His Spirit. Not allowing our differences to separate us. Who wants to separate us, church? The devil does. The world does. If we're separated, the devil is a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. He wants to castigate you from. He wants to separate you from. He wants to uh, uh, get you away from the body of the Lord Jesus Christ so he can target you. Because there's great strength when we're together. There's great strength. We have great protection as we're together, as we follow uh, Christ together. But when we get off, we allow ourselves to be devoured. We put ourselves in a position where uh, we are vulnerable to the attacks of a very real enemy. As much as God is real, we have an enemy, and He's real too. You know, He's going to lose, by the way, if you read the book of Revelation. He's already defeated. He's under the foot and the, uh, the defeat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we as His church... Uh, have the promise that the very gates of hell will not prevail against us. Can we unify around that? Can we unify that uh, together, even though we may hurt each other, even though we may have aught with each other? Can I tell you, I'm glad this morning that God does not cut off the people that hurt them. You know, the world says, everybody in your life that's wronged you, cut them out of your life. And God says, not so, I didn't do that for you. How many have ever... Uh, hurt the Lord Jesus Christ. How many have ever done wrong to him, offended him? How many know that, you, that the Lord has not let anything to separate you from his love? How many glad that as parents we learned that even though our kids may do wrong, even though they may uh, follow their own path, even though they may not listen to us, or even bring disgrace to us, we continue to love them. We continue to forgive them. We continue to accept them. Hey, is there anything that can keep us from being accepted by Christ? Acceptance is not, is not saying that uh, God condones. I think sometimes as a church we think acceptance means I condone all behavior. You know Jesus Christ accepts you regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done. You're accepted in the beloved as a believer. It doesn't mean that he condones all your behavior. As a matter of fact, he tells us whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. he corrects us when we do things that are wrong because a loving father, a loving parent always corrects their children. We're not afraid to tell the truth, speaking the truth in love. We're not afraid to be honest. The truth is what sets us free, isn't it? And we've got to tell the truth and we've got to say what's so. But notice there's a path to unity, humility, meekness and long-suffering. Notice he says in verse number two, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing, be patient with each other. God's calling us as a church to be patient with each other. You know why you have to be patient? Because he that hath begun a good work in us is faithful to complete it, but we're not complete yet. How many know that when a project is going on, how many have ever done a project, Uh, have some kind of work project, or you have some kind of school project? When you have a project, how many know that all projects take patience because you don't blink your eye and they're complete? You have to be patient. You have to endure sometimes the difficulties and the discomfort of that process. But how many glad that when you are patient and you see it through to the end, that you step back and are able to reap the rewards and the benefits of that hard work, labor, and patience. It takes patience. The church is a patient process because Christ is making us all like Him. How many know that that's messy? Because we're not all like Him in every area of our lives. And so there's changes that have to be made. There's things that need to leave. There's things that need to be added. Uh, God is doing a good work in us. And we're not all of us, any of us, reached the point of perfection and completion yet. But notice He wants to bring us there. So we see the plea for unity, the problems of unity, the path of unity. We see the place of unity. We talked about that. It's the unity of the Spirit. Who unifies us? The Holy Spirit of God. Can I tell tell you it's one Spirit. It's God's Spirit. It's not a multiplicity of spirits. A lot of people talk about the Holy Spirit, but then they talk about a spirit that does things that are contrary to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit does not lead the church to chaos. The Holy Spirit leads the church to unification. The Holy Spirit leads the church to conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. God is not the author of confusion. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He doesn't confuse the church. He doesn't confuse God's people. He doesn't cause us to be out of control. As a matter of fact, isn't the fruit of the Spirit self-control? It's amazing that people say the Holy Spirit is causing me to be out of control. No, the Holy Spirit brings us under control. The Holy Spirit is who we yield to. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into truth. The Word of God sanctifies us. Thy Word is truth. Sanctify us through Thy truth. The Bible says He sanctifies us. And that sanctification process, what does that mean? Making us more like Jesus. Setting us apart for His will and for His glory. That's what God is doing in all of us. By the way, I can be confident if you're a believer that God is doing that in your life and God is doing that in my life because that's what His Word says. That is the good that God is working together for in our lives. We studied that when we went through Romans chapter 8, didn't we? A lot of people say, and we know all things work together for good, but really what they're thinking is the good they want. But if you read Romans 8, 29, it tells you the good that God is working together for. He's working together for your justification, for your sanctification, for your glorification. How many glad that God is working together for those things in your life? God does those things because we love the Lord. That's not just an exclusive group of Christians. Hey, if you're a believer, you love the Lord. If you're a believer, you're called according to His purpose. And God says, in every believer, I've justified you. I will sanctify you. I will glorify you. How many know that every believer is going to be glorified one day? Every believer. Whether they did everything the way that they should or not. That's how good God is. God completes His job whether we involve ourselves in it or not. You know, the blessing along the way is the reward that comes from involving ourselves in God's process, in God's purpose. We see the place of unity is the Holy Spirit. We see in verse number 11, the presence of unity. The presence of unity. Notice verse number 11. What does it say? And he what? Gave. These are the gifts. The presence that God gives. How many are glad for the gifts of God? The callings. The gifts of God are without repentance. You know God has given us. Having done uh, gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Every believer in the room. You have a spiritual gift. You know what God wants you to do? Take that gift and invest it in his work for his glory. Use your giftedness. Not for yourself. Not to build yourself a platform. Not to make a name for yourself. A gift is used to make a name for Jesus Christ. I'm not here to make a name for Chris Tice. He's a sinner saved by grace. He's nothing without God. He's at best a failure. And I'll tell you this, I'm not here to make a name for me. I'm here to make a name for Jesus Christ. His name is worthy to be praised. His name is worthy to be lifted up. His name and his word is what we listen to. I'm not preaching my word today. My word's nothing. His word is what we listen to. His word is what we give ourselves to. And we use our gifts to build up God's church. We use our gifts to edify one another. We use our gifts uh, to help each other, do the will of God for the glory of God. That's what God tells us to do with our spiritual gifts. And notice what He gives to the church. He gave apostles and prophets. You know, that's in the past, isn't it? Aren't you glad for the apostles that he chose? Let me tell you, the office of apostle is over. There are no more apostles. The apostles saw the risen Lord. They were trained by the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was the final apostle born out of due time. The Apostle Paul saw the risen Savior on the road to Damascus. He was in the wilderness with Jesus, was trained like the other disciples and God used him miraculously to be the bridge between Gentiles and Jews so that the gospel could go into all the world. Uh, Being among the first of the missionaries sent out, Barnabas and Saul, separate me for the work whereunto I sent them. The book of Acts uh, tells us uh, uh, one of the first called he set the pattern, he set the precepts and God used him to write the letters, the inspired word of god so that we could have the words of god the instruction given to his church you know ephesians is not just written to the church at ephesus by 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 paul ephesians is written by the holy spirit to the church of the living god it's living breathing it's it's god's inspired and errant word and it's applicable to us today he's speaking to us his church today and say hey endeavor to keep the unity in the bond of peace He tells us here he sent apostles and thank God they were the foundation. Hey, the the foundation that was laid that no man could lay was the foundation of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the church is not built on Peter? It didn't start with Peter. It starts with Jesus. He's the foundation. All other ground is sinking sand and we're built on Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, which the builders disallowed. He was rejected But we understand that the church was not built on Peter, didn't start with Peter, started with Jesus. He said, Hey Peter, you know what Peter's name meant? Little stone. Petros, little stone, little pebble. Hey, you're Peter. But upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, a lot of people would say, Well, the church started with Peter, he's the first no, no, the church started with Jesus. And upon this rock, the rock of Jesus Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If the church is built on Peter, it'd be gone. It'd be off. It would fail. But the church is built on Jesus Christ. And he gave apostles. Notice he gave prophets, the prophets that came before time. Think about John the Baptist, the one that prepared the way for the Lord. You think about Isaiah and Jeremiah. You think about Jonah and Micah and Nahum. You think about all the minor prophets and the major prophets in the Old Testament. What did they do? They foretold what was to come. You go back to the Old Testament, can you see Jesus? Did they say Jesus is coming? He's coming. He's preparing. And John the Baptist was just a voice, one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye way for the way of the Lord. And by the way, John the Baptist's ministry was prophesied by the prophets. And John the Baptist came and he prepared the way. And you know what he said? As soon as Jesus showed up, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. I bow before Him because He's the Savior. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He said, hey, you need to repent and turn from your sins and understand that Jesus Christ has come to save you. And He'll save all that come to Him uh, by faith. I'll tell you, the prophets and then the evangelists, those are given uh, to the work of the ministry. Hey, a missionary is an evangelist missionary is one that goes with the gospel into different parts of the world, different places in the world. Some are in America and some are around. Some call themselves evangelists, but they don't do the work of evangelists. You know, God calls every pastor to do the work of an evangelist. We're all to be given to evangelism, evangelizing the world. Then he says pastors and teachers, and I believe that's one office. He's talking about pastors and teachers. Every uh, pastor is apt to teach, the Bible says. But I'm also thankful he's given the church teachers. He's given us teachers. He's given people that are gifted to teach and preach God's word. You know why he gave those gifts to the church? Aren't you glad for pastors and teachers that God gives to his church? Why does he do that? Notice the next verse. It's not my idea. The next verse says four. What does that mean? He's telling us what he gave them for. For the perfecting of the saints. Why did he give pastors and teachers? To perfect the saints. To help mature the saints. That's what that word means. To help mature you. To help you grow. Perfect the saints. Notice that the saints would be able to do for the work of the ministry. He's not saying that the, uh, the pastors and teachers are supposed to do all the work of the ministry. He's saying perfect the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. Notice for the edifying. When the saints do the work of the ministry, guess what happens? The, the, uh, the church gets edified. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice now what he's saying. The purpose of unity. Maturing the saints. To make the saints uh, like Christ. Look at verse number 13. Look at it with me. Till we all come... In the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Can I ask you a question this morning, church? Who's the only perfect man? Jesus Christ. You know what he wants to do, church? He doesn't want to make you like me. He wants to make you like Jesus. And that's what he's promised to make every believer. You know what's happening right now? You know as you listen to the word of God and it's taught and it's preached? You know the Holy Spirit of God within you is doing? That's right. That's right. And you know what he's doing? He's identifying areas in your life and saying, hey, this isn't like Jesus. Maybe you need to give this up. Hey, this isn't like Jesus. Maybe you need to lay this aside. Hey, this isn't like Jesus. Maybe you need to lay this down. But guess what? We can't do that on our own. Only the Spirit can lead us and only the Spirit can empower us to do that. Because we become more like Jesus as we obey the Holy Spirit of God within us. You want to become more like Jesus? Study God's Word and obey it. You can't become like Jesus just by hearing the word of God. You come, become more like Jesus by doing the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible tells us, hey listen, don't deceive yourself by being a hearer of the word but not a doer of the word. A lot of people like to listen to God's word. But there's very few people today in the church that would say, I want to do what it says. Remember what we said in the beginning? We want to give ourselves to the will of God for the glory of God. You know what the will of God is? It's not hard. It's not a mystery. It's not something you've got to crack the code. There's no code to crack. It's just doing what this says. The will of God is obeying God's word. You know, some people say, well, I want God to speak to me. I want God to give me direction. I want God to speak to me. He's not speaking to me. Maybe you feel like God's gone quiet in your life. You ever have times in your life where you can't hear the voice of God? It feels quiet. Where's God? Is he talking to me? Can I tell you, if you'll go back, To where you stop following Jesus. If you go back to the last command he gave you. And you'll pick up and do what he told you to do. You'll start hearing his commands again. How many know you can't get to step four until you did step three? You can't get to step two until you did step one. You know as a believer you know what God says? And they that gladly received his word were what? Baptized. You know why we teach people in the church when they get saved they need to follow Christ in baptism? Not because it makes them better, not because it adds to their salvation, not because it makes them a better person, but because it's obedient. Because he said, This is what you do when you follow Jesus. How many know if you've been saved and baptized that that's not the last step? And by the, by the way, it's just the beginning. You begin to study the word and read the word. When's the last time you read God's word for yourself? You didn't have somebody read it to you, but you read it for yourself. Can I ask you when the last time you ate some food? You know, the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. How is the church living without the word of God? By the way, the church is dying if it's not eating. If we're not eating from the word of God, and by the way, you cannot just come get a meal that I prepared for you from the word of God. You've got to go daily. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I need what I need today from your word. You know, you have the Holy Spirit and you have the word of God, so we have no excuses. You don't need me to come in and move in with you and and be a a police officer to you and give you correction. Hey, you need to do this and you need to do that. Some pastors try to do that. They want to control every move that people make in their church. You know what I know? You have a better police officer in your life. It's the Holy Spirit. You know what he does? He says, hey, that's not good that you're doing. There's a warning. You hear the sirens? You hear the warnings? Listen to them. Do what it says. Do what he says. He's a person. You know what he's doing? He's leading and guiding you into truth. He's teaching you God's word. Hey, he's able, the Bible says, read it. The Bible says he's able to teach us all things. Guess what I'm not able to do? To teach you all things. I can't teach you all things. But the Holy Spirit can. I can teach you what God leads me to teach. I can teach you in the time that you'll get me to teach you. But I tell you, the Holy Spirit can teach you all things. You want to grow? Come to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You say, why? Because you need to eat. Because you need to be encouraged. Because you need to be edified. You know how much you'll grow? Depends on how much you spend in God's word. The more you spend in God's word, the more you'll grow. It's the truth. The more you receive instruction from God's word, the more you'll grow. Say, I want to grow. I want to be what God says. Notice what he says. Verse number 14. It's not my word. It's his word. Look at it. Look at it, church. Look at verse number 14. That we henceforth be no more what? Come on, church, that we henceforth be no more what? You say, well, I'm not a child. I'm a grown man. I'm an adult. You keep telling your wife that. I'm grown. I can make my own decisions. You know what he says, is, spiritually speaking? You will, be, you will continue to be an infant. You will continue to be a child if you do not do this. If you do not obedient in this. You know, some people get saved, but they stay spiritual children. You know, spiritual children are easy to led astray, aren't they? Can you teach a child almost anything and they'll believe it? They'll believe most anything you tell them if they trust you. And you know what? Spiritually speaking, the church today is being led, led astray by false doctrine because they never grew. Because they never got in God's word. They never got grounded in sound doctrine. You know what they do? They begin to look to other places. Oh, I want to be entertained. Can I tell you? The church's job is not to entertain you. The church's job is to edify you, to build you up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Entertainment is what the world does. But the church started saying, well, we just can't get people to show up by just preaching the word of God. And so we've got to entertain them to get them in. We've got to to get them in, you know, so that they'll want to come and they'll want to be involved. And I'll tell you, they're trying to get people who are lost to worship God. Can I tell you, Jesus said, They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You can't worship God if you don't have the spirit. And you can't worship God if you don't have the truth. And and the truth is today that we need the spirit and we need the truth. And yeah, there's a lot of options out there. Let me tell you, you can find a lot of places of worship. But I tell you, you don't find a lot of churches. And I'm telling you, they're worshiping other things, but they're not worshiping God. The worship of God is not doing what we want. The worship of God is doing what His Word says. And the way you know and can measure the success of a church is by its likeness to Jesus Christ. You want to measure our success this morning? How much like Jesus are we? I didn't say measure me. Measure yourself. Notice what he says in verse number 14. Does he call us to a measuring? that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, here it is, in the measure of every part. You know what he's saying? Measure every part of your life by Jesus Christ. Don't just measure your Sunday morning by Jesus. Measure every part of your life by Jesus Christ. Measure every thought that you have. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. As the Bible says, measure every action you take. Remember that old phrase, what would Jesus do? It would be better if we obeyed that rather than just wore it like a slogan. But it was meant to be a reminder that we as God's church would do what Jesus would do. Every action would be the measure of Christ, would be what Jesus did. Are we not supposed to be Jesus in the world today? Are we the body of Christ, church? Hey, we're the body of Jesus Christ, so the world will not know Christ apart from His church. He's saying, hey, listen, the church is to be the mouthpiece. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. All of us are supposed to be speaking the gospel, preaching the gospel to anybody who will listen to it. You say, I don't know how to do that. Can you tell someone else what Jesus did for you? It's that simple, friend. You don't have to go to Bible college. You just have to be able to tell someone else what Jesus did for you. You know, you first have to know what Jesus did for you. If you never had an experience with God, if you just came to a Sunday service and you think because you go to church that means you're part of the family of God, not so. You say, well, I grew up in church and I've been involved with the church and I've been a member of this church and I've been a member of that church and I've gone here and I did a lot of good works and I have signed up for every PTA group and I signed up for all these committees and I did... Being born again has nothing to do with any of that stuff. You know The Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You know what you need to ask yourself? Has there ever been a time in my life where I have received the Holy Spirit of God by faith, by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and accepting what He did on the cross for me, not just universally for the world? you know that you're a sinner? The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you don't know that you're a sinner, just ask your wife. Just ask your husband. Hey, listen, if they'll cover up for you, I can go ask your kids. They'll tell me you're a sinner. They know. Ooh, mommy said this, daddy did that. They know. They know. And by the way, they're pretty good sinners themselves, aren't they? Did you ever have to teach your kids to do wrong? It's just like they came out knowing how to do it, didn't they? It's their nature. You don't have to teach anybody to lie. You don't have to teach anybody to steal. You don't have to teach anybody to be prideful. You don't have, it's in our very nature. We're born that way. We're born in sin. We're born sinners. We sin because we are sinners. We didn't become sinners when we committed our first sin. By the way, can I tell you, there's no amount of water that can wash away your original sin. There's no church that can take it away from you. Find that in the Scriptures. Can you find one person that ever came to the Lord Jesus Christ... Because they were baptized as a baby? Or because they joined a church? You know the Bible says? That we come in faith, believing that Jesus Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you'll confess this morning with your mouth, Jesus Christ. You'll believe in your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ, He came to earth, He died, He was buried, He rose again. And you'll put your faith in Him. You know what? You say, you have a magic prayer for me to pray? No, and I don't have any holy water to dunk you in either i tell you this morning, it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that nobody can give you except Jesus. I can tell you about it. I can tell you about Him, but a lot of people know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. Do you know Him? Is He your Savior? Have you received Him? Now, those of you that received Him, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even of them that believed on His name. If you believed on His name and you put your faith and trust in Him, the Bible says He saved you. Guess what? That doesn't mean you become perfect right away. Did you read what we just read? It's a process, isn't it? Anybody stumble and fall this week like me? Anybody say something that you're not proud of? Some of you thought I was actually talking about you actually fell. Some of you probably did. <laughs> Dumb feet. We, we trip and fall, but I'm talking about spiritually speaking. Did you, make them as, did you have a thought you shouldn't have had? Did you say something you shouldn't have said? Did you get angry? Did you fly off the handle? Were you out of control? Did you have a bad spirit? Were you unforgiving towards someone? Did you want something that didn't belong to you? Did you look on something to lust after it? Whew. Pastor, getting real now. That's what we deal with. We love to talk about sins we don't commit. But how many of us we all struggle with that stuff? That's stuff we struggle with. That's stuff that, that's where the rubber meets the road in our lives. How many are glad that even though that happened to you, that nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ? That he doesn't reject you, that you don't have to come to him and be saved all over again? Once saved, always saved. Once a child of God, always a child of God. My children, when they do things they shouldn't do, and two of them are, or one of them's here anyway, the other one, she's, she needs to be here, but I tell you, uh, they're, they're not here. And I tell you, when they do that, are they still my children? Yes, you can't separate that. You can't cut that off. Your kids are always your kids. And once you become a child of God, you're always a child of God. But when we fail, you know what it does? It separates us in fellowship. It keeps us from spending time the way that we should. It keeps us from talking the way that we should. Ever have the cold shoulder from somebody because you didn't do right towards them? It hurts your fellowship, doesn't it? You know what forgiveness is? Being able to sit across the table with somebody and talk to them. Face to face. That's forgiveness. That's saying there's nothing that's going to keep me from fellowshipping with you. We have to endeavor to do that here. But you will never do that with other believers until you first understand that Jesus does that with you every day. You know, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. How many want to be faithful like Jesus is faithful? Boy, I want to be faithful like he's faithful. Sometimes I come apart. Sometimes I don't do what I should. You know what we can do this morning? we don't have to get a new forgiveness. We just exercise the forgiveness we already have in Jesus. You know why he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all righteousness? Because he already did it. He put our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. He's remembered them no more. When we come to Lord Jesus Christ, he says, of course I forgive you. I already forgave you. I already forgave you. When your kids come to you and ask you to forgive them for what you did, do you have to muster up some, some forgiveness to find in, inside yourself? You just say, I already forgave you. There's nothing to forgive. I, it, it's already done. You're my child. I'll, I'll always forgive you. I'll always love you. That's what he does with us. There's nothing that could keep us from that. You know what the devil's whispering? You can't come back to God. Once you fail, once you, once you leave, once you're unfaithful, oh, you've got to stay out there. He wants to keep you out there. You know what he's say? Get behind me. That's what Jesus said, get behind me. I've got the word of God. You know what the word of God tells us? Not so. Not true. It undoes the lies of the devil, the things he wants to whisper in your ear. Hey, you know what? You can get, Christian, if you're far from God today, you can get right with him right now. You don't have to wait for a piano to play or an altar call. Right in your heart, you can say, God, I have failed you, but you're a good father, and I know you forgive me. God, help me to get back up again. And God, help me to follow you. Help me to give myself to your will. Help me to be obedient to you. God, I know that I've been a part of the problem in the church because I'm not bringing unity to the church. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. But God, help me to be a part of what you're doing and getting the gospel in all the world through the local New Testament church. And I'm on board and I'm all in. And God, I'll be faithful. And God, help me not to fall by the wayside again. You know what we come to do together today? Encourage each other to do the will of God. For the glory of God. None of us deserve any credit. We're all just sinners saved by grace. I don't deserve any credit this morning. Neither do you. Listen if I've told you about Jesus. And you responded to that. I didn't save you. I just led you to the Savior. I understand that we have gratitude. For those that lead us to the Savior. But I tell you this morning. He's the Savior. He's the one to worship. Don't do anything. I want to help you church. Because we're talking about unity. What you do only for me won't last. Say, I'm doing it because the pastor's there, because I want him to see me, because I want—I don't want to be angry with me. I, I want to be a good friend to him. Listen, that's all good and well, but I'll tell you, that's a lesser motivation. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of the Lord. Do the will of God from the heart. Do what you do as a service, a secret service to Jesus, that if nobody sees what you do or hears what you do when it comes to the service rendered, To God and His Church, that you know the eyes of God have seen, the eyes of God know that He sees. His eyes are on the just and the unjust. His eyes are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You know God sees when we do. You know God's going to reward those that do in secret openly. The Bible says. You think about that. What you do in secret for God, God rewards openly. What you do openly for God, God may not reward you for very much. Because he said you already have your reward. How many know that sometimes we really want that attaboy? We really want that slap on the back. We really want that trophy. We really want to be an achiever that other people recognize. Because that's what the world tells us is success. But God says success is in your measure of your likeness to Jesus Christ. That's success. God wants to make your way prosperous. God wants to give you good success. But as he told Joshua in Joshua 1.8, the only way to do that is if you'll meditate on God's word every day, and you'll give yourself to doing what it says. He says, Joshua, if you'll do what my word says, you'll have good success. I can guarantee you this morning, I'm done. I can guarantee you this morning that you will not have success spiritually if you do not obey God's word. But you will have good success if you do what God's word says. He says, Is the Christian life that simple? It's really that simple in its concept, but it's hard to do in its character. Because our character needs to be more like Jesus' character today. You know the best thing that you can do? Yield yourself to the Spirit of God today. Say, I understand the path. You laid out the path. Look at the passage. The path to our unity is not that we become like each other. The path to our unity is that we become like Jesus together. What does Jesus look like? Holy, holy, holy. You ever see something that doesn't look holy? Holy. You know, when you see Jesus, you'll know and you'll say what the Bible says every person is going to say when they see Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. He's high and lifted up, worthy of all praise. He's perfect, without flaw, without fear. Can I say, Jesus has never failed you, will never fail you. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. You say, what about trusting Him to to be in the church? There's people here and they're going to hurt me and they're... Hey, listen, you can trust them that even though wrong may come to you, even from other believers, that you can forgive, that you can forbear, that you can be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Church, are we willing to do that today? If we're not, we just meant to hear something, not to do something. Is there somebody you haven't forgiven? Is there something you haven't given and yielded to Christ? This is the time that we do that, church. You heard the message. Now, let's do it. Let's do what it says. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.